Thanks for joining us online as Pastor Dave Carroll preaches in the message series, Magic City Miracle. Are you ready to jump into God's Word? Uh, if you have a Bible, take it and turn to John chapter 20. But if you do not have a Bible, if you would right now, just raise your hand and we have folks coming around who will give you one. You'll want it because the main passage is not on the screen. Raise it up real high today, real high, uh, so they can see you. And turn to John chapter 20. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you can look in the very front, and it looks just like in every other book that way where it has a table of contents. Or you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the fourth book is John of the New Testament. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And uh, today we're going to talk about the only miracle that matters, because we've been studying some of the miracles of Jesus over the past month, and uh, while miracles are good, there's only one thing that matters. But, uh, you know, it's funny how age and time change your perspective on what really matters, right? It, it just really does. When I was five, six, seven years old, just a little kid, the only thing that mattered was what I got on my birthday or what I got for Christmas, right? Uh, I just wanted the presents. I, I wanted to open up something and say, "Woo, I got it. And even still, I only played with the box, right? Y- anybody have kids like that? And then I became a teenager, and uh, really the only thing that began to matter was, uh, hey, do you think she likes me? Will I get a girlfriend, right? Or, uh, or even how about, uh, will I make good enough grades in school so I don't get grounded? There are only a few things that matter. Move on to college, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about that special J-O-B, right? Uh, I'm thinking, what, what kind of job am I going to get? And then relationally, I'm thinking, really, if I don't even graduate college, but I find the one, I find her and get married, that's the only thing that matters. And bless the Lord, God gave me an awesome wife named Amy Carroll, right? And, and it happened. But then uh, I got a job after college, and I went, well, all those things I thought that mattered, they kind of withered away. And... Uh, and then you realize the only thing that matters once you hit the work world is, am I going to get a raise, right? Is, are they going to pay me for what I'm doing? And then you start to have kids, and, and then the only thing, it shifts. The only thing that matters is, are my kids going to grow up and, and love Jesus or, and be good adults? And are they going to be a good reflection of my parenting? Uh, and then a little later on in life, you know, hey, I encountered some health issues. Uh, I lost some sight in my right eye. I I might have had a mini stroke. We're not sure what happened. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, is, is my health what matters? And at the end of the day, I'm starting to realize that there's really nothing on this earth that really, truly matters except the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, if I don't have Jesus Christ, if I don't have uh, the hope of glory of my risen Savior then the truth is I don't have eternity and I have nothing, no matter what I thought I had or didn't have. Are you with me this morning? And so today we're going to look at this miracle in depth, the only miracle that matters, the resurrection from John chapter 20. We'll read all 18 verses, but we're going to break it up just a little bit. And uh, we are going to look at three ways to approach the empty tomb today. How how can you approach this miracle walking in today? It doesn't matter if you've been to church a lot or a little, uh, never, sometimes, kind of, sort of, or you know what, you're here every week. Uh, You approach the tomb one of three different ways, and we see this in Scripture. 
And so let's look at the first way in John chapter 20. It says this in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Scripture records Mary as the first one to hit hit the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse three, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And I check into this verse right here. I love this verse. This verse, uh, well, it's one of my favorite in the whole Bible. Here's what it says. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Now, if you're not tracking with this story, here's what just went down. The resurrection is pretty much the most important story in all of the history of the world, right? I mean, that's it. And in the middle of the resurrection story, John's account, he decides to throw in a little ribbing to his buddy, right? He's saying, well, we ran to the tomb, and I ran faster than Peter. And you're saying, well, how do you know it was John? I mean, it it says, so they both ran together. The other disciple, the other disciple, how do you know his name? Well, it's obvious that if uh, Peter was racing James, he probably would have said Peter and James were racing to the tomb, and, uh, and James beat Peter. But he was a little too humble. But I love that right in the middle of the most important account, Here's John throwing in a zinger to his buddy, right? Saying, I can run faster than you can run. And I think it's it's proof that sometimes we get a little too uptight in church, right? If John can write in his gospel that he beat out his friend to the tomb, uh, sometimes we can loosen up just a little bit. Turn to somebody and say, loosen up. Yeah, loosen up. But if we go back to to the real important verse here in the first four. It's verse two. And we focus on Mary's first encounter and how she came to the tomb. It says, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him because Mary thought that she was dead. She came to the tomb. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Flip over your program. There's a place for you to take some notes. You can come to the tomb discouraged. And you know, I think most people on a daily basis come to the resurrection, come to the empty tomb, just like Mary did. You come discouraged. You come beat down by life. Uh, you're, You're not sure, can this Jesus really have anything meaningful for me? You see, Dave, you don't understand. My marriage is broken. I have, I have a, a drug problem that that is so deeply ingrained in my life that I can't get rid of it. God, you don't understand. I'm on my fourth marriage, my fifth marriage. I'm on my third marriage. Heck, I'm just on two, but they've been, they've been incredibly awful. Man, does this empty tomb really have anything to offer me? Is there anything here? I don't know. And Mary, she came to the tomb this first time looking through the eyes of discouragement, There is no way anything good could have happened with the empty tomb for the first person who encounters this tomb. But here today, if you will draw close to Jesus, you'll see that discouragement 
go away. You see, when important people and important things have, they, they move away from us in life, we tend to get discouraged. We tend to get negative about what's happening in this life. And some of us have gotten so far from God that, that really we have nothing good to say about this life because our eyes aren't on him. It's kind of like when Amy leaves on vacation. You see, I have four boys. And uh, needless to say, there's a little bit of turmoil even when she takes, say, oh, I don't know, a one-day vacation, right? Uh, the boys in the house start to say, Dad, when is mom coming back? Hey, when, when is mom going to come back? And, and then if the vacation gets as far as seven days, which has happened maybe once or twice uh, over our time having kids, the kids know ahead of time on the vacation. They hear mom is gone for a long time, and before she even leaves, they start saying, hey, Dad, what, when is mom going to be back again? Because they don't like eating microwave corn dogs, right? And they don't like wearing their underwear twice, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and, and then, you know, they like to be brought to school on time and picked up on time and not left with a backpack out in the cold saying, when is dad going to come as I run around crazy? And they get kind of discouraged. And that's where Mary was. She didn't see Jesus. And she thought, it's over. It's finished. It's gone. And she was living in discouragement. But I want to encourage you today, if you came in with your eyes on discouragement, your eyes on the places that are dragging you down. Today, let's look at the empty tomb through a different lens. As we continue on in the scripture, here in John chapter 20, we'll pick it up in verse 5. So uh, John just finished bragging about how fast he is. And by the way, uh, you want to know the reason why he was faster? Uh, they estimate that, that Peter was probably uh, in his 50s, and John was either a teenager or in his mid-20s. So not only is he bragging about how fast he is, but he's throwing a jab at his old friend, right? And we know that never works out well because uh, those who are older than us are wiser than us most of the time, and uh, they just put their thumbs. So I, I wonder how that went after he wrote this, right? Oh, I heard an amen over that. Look at that. So he starts bragging, and in verse 5, here's what happens. John gets to the tomb first. <clears throat> And so verse 5 is talking about him. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. For some reason, the gravity of the situation hits John. And he says, I, ooh, I, I don't know if I could go in the tomb. And some of you may be wondering, how do you go in a tomb? Because you think tombs are in the ground. And, but in this day and age, uh, a tomb and, and, a, and a rich man's burial, remember a rich man helped provide for Jesus, uh, a rich man's burial had a tomb that Multiple people could go inside. Um, and he just couldn't go in. But then comes old Pete in verse 6. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that's John, who came to the tomb first, <laughs> ribbing him again, right? Why not say it again? Went in also, and he saw, say this word with me, and, say it again, he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now this word that they saw and believed 
it didn't mean that they understood everything that was going on. In fact, you could tell that the fact they saw and believed and went home meant this. They approached the tomb as one thing. You want to write this down? As a historical fact. They said, well, yeah, he said he would rise again. He did. Oh, well, hey, let's go have a burger, right? Hey, let's go grab some City Brew or Starbucks. It's over. Yeah, it happened. And they approached it as a historical fact. Now, is the resurrection of Jesus a historical fact? Absolutely. And I could, I could spend hours, and I promise you I won't. Hey, you could breathe easy, right? I could spend hours giving you the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, here in the scripture, uh, I want you to focus back in on the linen cloths, right? It started in verse 6, and then they go through this whole uh, description of what they saw. But here's some facts, if you need some today, about the resurrection. The linen cloths help prove that Jesus was not robbed, right? Because if you think about it, if someone was trying to rob Jesus just to fake a resurrection, I don't think they would have unwrapped him and made him naked, right? I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think out loud. If I'm trying to, like, haul somebody, I'm pretty much yelling, put some clothes on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't necessarily know. I think I'll just take you uh, like I need to take you, right? I, I don't think I would spend all that time unwrapping. Plus, I'd probably get caught. I want to do it as quick as I can. So the chances of him being robbed, they're not there. You know, the uh, linen cloths, they also tell us that his clothes did not go with the body. And so, however he left the tomb, his clothes were not a part of it. And then the third thing it tells us is he wasn't removed by a normal burial and removal from the tomb. Uh, Normally, there was a whole protocol we won't go into that they would use to exit a dead person from a tomb if they were going to move him. And Jesus clearly wasn't used, uh, uh, didn't, wasn't removed by those methods. And so he uses the linen cloth to remind us that the resurrection is a historical fact. But I want to come back to this word, believed. Their belief wasn't that full faith, that full weight on Christ's resurrection. And the scripture there says that they didn't completely understand the gravity of the situation because they didn't know the scripture. They didn't know the scripture. This is why we pass out Bibles and try to get you to crack it open. Because the more you crack it open, the more personal your Savior becomes. And it's important to to cross the line from approaching the tomb simply as a historical fact and then to move to a place uh, of impact. And we'll talk about it in a second. But think about it this way. If Apple shares go up, right? If the stock for Apple goes up, and I don't own Apple, you know what I'm thinking? Who cares, right? If your kid makes an A or hits a home run, I'm going, huh, that's nice. If your marriage is great, how's marriage going? Oh, my marriage is great. I'm thinking, huh, that's nice for you, right? Uh, you know, you got a raise. Oh, hey, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. I'm thinking, who cares, right? Who cares? Go Dolphins. But here, here's the thing. But you start saying, the Dolphins won the Super Bowl. I'm going, oh, yeah. You tell me my kid makes an A. Yeah, boy, I'm telling everybody. You tell me, my wife comes up and says, my marriage is great? Yeah, now we're talking, right? And the reason why is because we're talking about something that belongs 
to me and we care about it. And, and here is where you have to approach the tomb differently. If you came today just because you're like, well, I think it happened and I think I ought to do something about it, I want you to move beyond historical fact. But if you need one, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. This was written in A.D. 55, over 20 years past the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, here's what it says. After that, he was seen, after his resurrection, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. So we're 20 years past. He says most of whom are still alive that had an eyewitness account. This means that over 250 people were still alive, at least 251, were still alive, and you could go knock on their door and say, did the resurrection really happen? And they would all say, not only yes, but yes, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw Jesus after the cross. Now, we believe one writer on Yahoo or CNN or Fox News, when they write an editorial, we take nearly every word as fact, don't we? When we find our favorite reporter, man, anything they say, we'll take it on one. But, but Jesus, 251, oh, I don't know if that's enough. Well, hey, if you knock on the homes in, in, uh, in Billings Heights and ask, did Skyview High win the state basketball championship, you know what? They would say, yeah. Some of them would say, I saw it with my own eyes. And you would say, well... They must have won, and you wouldn't question it. But people will question the historical fact of Jesus. But you have to move beyond it. And this is what happens here in the Gospel of John. Even though Mary started out with discouragement, and the disciples uh, kind of just saw it as, well, yeah, that happened. What does it mean for me? What, what's the significance? Verse 11 is where it starts to turn significantly. And it starts with Mary and her account. Here's what it says. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. Are you getting this picture? You have disciples dejected. You have people crying. Scriptures say that Mary might not have been the only one there at that point in time. There might have been people just around the tomb just crying their eyes out saying, what happened to Jesus? And she's upset because, man, Jesus cast out seven demons out of Mary over her lifetime. And she's thinking, my life is so messed up. Who's going to fix it if he's gone? Who's going to fix it if Jesus is gone? And so she's weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And that's the clear New Testament reference to the mercy seat from the Old Testament in Exodus 35. Here we see prophecy taking place. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. You're getting the picture? The discouragement is driving deeper and deeper 
and deeper that there is nothing in this life that is going to help her. But then in verse 16, something radical happens. Jesus says to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Can you imagine this picture? She realizes it's her risen Savior, and she won't let go. The biggest bear hug you could ever imagine, realizing that there is hope in this life. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And this is the way that you have to approach the tomb today. You can't do it with your eyes on on your circumstances. You can't do it just with your head trying to say, well, yeah, I think I believe it happened. But you have to approach the tomb, the empty tomb, with hope. Approach the empty tomb with hope. It's funny that many people know there's a risen Savior. Some people place their faith in the risen Savior, and yet they walk around like there is no hope. And the resurrection gives us hope. And some of you may might be saying, well, I, I don't know. It's hard to see Jesus through all the, the fuzz and the clouds of life. It's just difficult to see. Well, here's the good news. God can open your eyes because how did Jesus introduce himself to Mary? How, how did Mary come to re- recognize that her Savior wasn't really dead, but he was alive? It wasn't from Jesus saying, hey, Mary, I'm Jesus. Hey, how come you didn't recognize me? She knew her Savior, not by him saying his name, but by him saying her name. Maybe today God is saying your name. He's calling it out. In fact, turn to someone next to you. Touch them on the shoulder and say, God knows your name. Maybe God is calling your name today saying, come out of discouragement. Come out of trying to be smart enough and thinking you have it together and that you're above uh, the Lord as, and you know the facts and you, yeah, you know what happened, but it's not really going to come and invade your life and change you. Here's what I know is that when you come to a resurrected Savior, you always leave with hope. You always, anybody need hope? Anybody need hope? I need hope, and we have it in our resurrected Savior today. Listen to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Therefore, he is able. Say, he is able. able. Say it again. Say, "He he is able. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God Through him. Through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. And the great truth of Easter is this. That nearly 2,000 years ago, perfect, sinless, holy Jesus shed his blood on a cross. And he did this before you could ever know him. Before you were born, you sitting in this room... He died on your behalf so that you might come to place your faith 
in him. What does that mean? He believed in you before you ever believed in him. So that you could choose him on this day if you've never come to faith in Christ. If you've never come to saving faith, he did this and he rose again so that he could live forever and see your salvation and your hope all the way through past your death into eternity. Isn't that a great truth today? Yeah, we can praise the Lord for that. That's what he did. But I know some of you are battling discouragement. I know some of you are battling fear. What's going to happen if I surrender to this Jesus? I know some of you have come to faith in Christ, and you can't take your eyes off of discouragement. You can't take your eyes off of situations that that you can't control and you thought would be better than they are, and, and you're walking around, dragging around, and you have forgotten hope. Well, let the resurrection give you hope like it did for my friend Robin. See, I grew up as a teenager in in the city of Miami, met lots of people, but one of them always sticks out, and I I will never forget her. Robin was a young lady who was born with cystic fibrosis from birth, the worst kind. Robin spent her whole life angry at God because she couldn't breathe. God, why did you make me this way? Why Am I in this position? Have anybody felt that way before? Yeah, I felt that way. But she spent her whole life being angry with God, and somehow she had beat the odds, and she made it to 20 years old. In fact, she made it a little bit longer than that. I used to ask Robin, Robin, why can't you give your life to Jesus? You know him in your head. You have the facts, yeah. I know you're discouraged, yeah. And she said, you know what, Dave? God has never done anything for me. He hasn't done a thing. Why am I like this? How come I can't breathe? No, I'm angry at God. And I don't have any hope. But then there was a day where my friend called me and he said, hey, you better go visit Robin. Something's a little bit different. I'm thinking, well, I wonder what's wrong this time. And I walk in, and today was different because Robin had a smile on her face. She was smiling, grinning ear to ear. I'm sitting there thinking, what's, what's different? And she said, last night I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I said, wow, what, what happened? What changed? She said, you know, I was, I was on, the, on, the, on my bed trying to breathe, and I realized I was out of breath. That was it. It was over. My lungs would not expand and contract anymore. I was going to die. I was sure of it. And she said, God, if you will give me breath, I will put my trust in you. And she took her mask off, expecting to die. No help. And she said, the Lord help me breathe. He breathed life into me. And so I came to him. And today, I I don't know where God needs to breathe life into you. But here's what I do know. The resurrection tells us that we have hope. And that he will breathe life into your dark places. And today, maybe you have walked in here without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never trusted 
and his finished work on the cross because maybe you've been angry, you've been discouraged, or even above it. But today, God is asking you to come and take a knee and surrender to him so that he can breathe hope into your life. I would ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, A very simple question today. Maybe today you walked in hoping that you would get to look at the empty tomb anyway but personally where God is calling your name to reveal himself to you. And today you're saying, I hear the Lord calling my name and I want to cling to him. If you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time today, to turn from your way, repent, and start walking toward the Lord and believe and trust on this resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, for your salvation. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone like that today who would say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ? Raise it nice and high. Yeah. Is there anyone else who would say, yes, keep that hand Keep the hand up if that's you. Is there anyone else who would say that? All over the room where Jesus is calling your name. Hey, if you've raised your hand, just look at me with everybody else, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've raised your hand, just look me square in the eye. Do you mean it? Is that what you want to do today? Do you mean it? Is that what you want to do today? Is today the day? Were you giving your life to Jesus Christ? Hey, listen. Here's what I'd like you to do after service. I want you to visit the Next Step Center. And I want you to let them talk to you and let Jesus breathe the hope that he, only he can give in this life. For the rest of us, I want to ask, is there anyone who would walk in today who would say, you know, Dave, in all honesty and truthfulness, I've been very discouraged, and I need some prayer. Just raise your hand. We won't embarrass you. Someone like that. Yeah. Across the room. Is there anyone else? Let's go to the Lord. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your hope for the resurrection. And God, we pray and ask today that we would be reminded that you breathe life into us even when we look at you, we look at our circumstances, and we don't know what to do. God, there you are, breathing hope in life, and I pray and ask that those who have walked in, beaten down, would leave with joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, hey, can we praise the Lord who has risen and gives hope? Thanks for listening today and join us next week as we continue the series Magic City Miracle.